Scripture reading this evening will come from Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. Acts 4, verses 32 through 37. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Just keep your Bible open there to Acts chapter 4, verse 32. And I want to go back and one more time just emphasize, because this will be on the recording and the scripture reading won't. But Acts chapter 4, I want you to look with me at verse 33. I'm always cognizant of the recordings, you know, those, those they, they go out there into the internet and somebody might listen to a lesson like this and say, well, what passage are, are they in to begin with? Acts 4, look at verse 33. The scripture says, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them all. We're talking about the Lord's people, the Lord's church. And it goes on to say in verse 34, nor was there anyone among them all who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. The lesson tonight is entitled Give and Take. And I want you to think about the fact that for the church to do this, In Acts chapter 4, some Christians had to be givers. They had to sell their lands and bring the money. But some Christians had to take, had to receive what was being given. And notice that the Bible tells us in Acts 4.32 that there was great unity among these people. There was, they were of one heart and one soul, the Bible says. They had all things in common. And I want you to see the principle that's here. The principle is that unity, it's not just about saying all the same things doctrinally, although that's true, but unity is also about a practical willingness on our part as Christians to give and also to take. And I would just imagine that, I'm looking at y'all, I would just imagine that most of us have a really hard time, especially with the taking. We're going to talk about that tonight. An old proverb says, God has given us two hands, one with which to receive and the other with which to give. That's a good way of thinking about it. God's given us two hands and it's a good thing to give. God tells us to, but it's also a good thing to be able to receive, to take graciously from others. Some people have trouble with giving. We'll talk about that in a moment. Some people are stingy and they're tight-fisted and they will not do for others and they will not think of others and they won't give. But other people, probably most people I know, have trouble receiving graciously. Because we're raised in this culture to believe that being a burden to somebody else is just, it's anathema. I'm not going to do that. I don't want somebody else to, to have to do for me. And so we have a hard time taking 
But I want you to listen. Those who are truly blessed and churches that are truly blessed, they know how to give graciously and they know how to take graciously. Both of those are needed. And that's the outline for our study tonight as we look at Acts chapter 4 and think about what these Christians were doing. I want us to think about how Christian unity is about the ability to give and to take in appropriate and God-honoring ways. Let's give our attention first of all this evening to giving graciously. And I just want to bring some passages to your mind as we study this. The ability to give graciously. Acts 4, 34 and 35, I've underlined, I've highlighted on the screen for you. Notice what the early church was doing. Selling lands, bringing the proceeds. They went down to the title company and they signed off on their house and sold it. And they took the money that was deposited into their account and they brought that money physically and distributed put it at the apostles' feet, and then the church took that money physically and they distributed to each as any had need. The early church was a giving church. And one of the ways we know Christianity was not something that was just haphazardly put together. One of the ways we know that this was God's design and God's plan was the generosity of the people that became Christians in the first century. And I mean, immediately they became generous. They knew that this was what Jesus has called us to do. You want to know if Christianity is sincere in your life? Ask yourself the question, what kind of giver am I? Am I willing to sacrifice? Am I willing to do? Am I willing to give for the sake of another? These early Christians did that and it didn't, it's not like we had to bring them along, you know. If we just, if we just train them, give them a few weeks, give them a few months and then they'll become good givers. Nope, that's not the way it worked. Immediately, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 and here again in Acts chapter 4, very early, they're givers. Not only that, Acts 20, verse 35, the apostle Paul reminded the elders in Ephesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I want you to stop because we're going to return to this in just a moment, but I want you to notice it is a blessing to receive. That passage says so. It just says that it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, sometimes the way we talk about that passage, we imply that receiving is a bad thing. No, it's a blessing to receive. It's just more blessed to give than to receive, Jesus says. This is his will for our lives. Matthew 6, 2 in the Sermon on the Mount, when you give, when you do, some translations say, a charitable deed. Do not let your right hand know what your left is doing. But I want you to notice the word when. Jesus understands and expects that his disciples will give, that they will be generous, that they will be kind to others. First Timothy 6, 17 through 19, and especially verse 18, gives wisdom and counsel and inspired commands to those who are wealthy in this world. And especially one of the things it says is that Christians who are wealthy in the things of this world are to be ready to give, willing to share. The principle is found from start to finish in the New Testament and, by the way, the Old Testament. You remember those commandments about leaving the corners of your fields for the, 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 the uh, widows and for strangers in your land? Leaving the corner of the fields ungleaned so that they could come in and glean some of the harvest for themselves? You remember those kinds of commandments? God taught those Old Testament Israelites to be givers as well. Being generous is godly. It's right. It's what God desires his people to do. 
And so as we turn our attention to being a gracious giver, I'd like to share with you four principles to think about in your life when it comes to being a gracious giver. Gracious givers, number one, see themselves as stewards of God's blessings. It is a matter of self-perspective. God has not made you wealthy. You are just a steward of a lot of God's blessings. That's the way to see it. That's the way to look at it. What do you have, Paul asks at one point, that you did not receive? What is there in your life that was not given to you? You are a steward, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7. I am a steward. We are just managing that which God has entrusted to us. And that's how givers think. I'm just a manager of what God has put into my hands. In 2 Corinthians 9 verses 10 and 11, here's what Paul writes. He who supplies seed to the sower, talking about God, and he who supplies bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and for increase of the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. The Bible teaches that when we give as good stewards, that God will place more in our trust in his time, not in ours, so that we can continue to give. That's the principle that you find in scripture. 2 Corinthians 9 verses 8 and following teaches this, that we give so that God will bless us, so that we can give and distribute even more. We are merely stewards of the blessings that God puts into our lives. It's not ours. It's his. We just manage it in a way that honors him. Second principle, we are, if we're going to be good givers, we must trust God's continued provision. We must trust that God's going to continue to provide because sometimes, whether it's your financial resources or whether it's your time or whether it's your energy or whether, whether it's your emotional uh, ability to, to deal with some things that are going on in other people's lives, we give and we feel like, you know what, I'm about to run out. I just don't know that I can give anymore. Gracious givers trust that God's going to continue to provide. The widow had two mites. That was all she had. She put them in the treasury. Was God going to provide for her? The little boy had one lunch, five loaves and two fishes. He brought those five loaves and two fishes to the Lord and everybody was able to eat. Think about what God does when we give. Dorcas had the ability to make tunics, to sew, and she gave continually. And when she died, the whole church was upset because they had thought about the kind of gracious giver, giver that she was. Second Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, when we give to others, God will provide resources and will give to us in turn. Gracious givers think that way. You want to know what the early church was thinking when they sold their lands and their houses and they brought the, the money to the apostles' feet? They were thinking about this kind of principle right here. God's going to provide for us. Don't worry about things. Just give for the good of God's people. Number three, gracious givers rejoice in opportunities to give. They rejoice in the idea that there's an opportunity to give to someone else. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 and 5, when we give, we express love for others. And love is a good thing. Love is the best of things. 
The fact that we can express love, the fact that we can show that we care about someone else, rejoice in that opportunity, rejoice in that circumstance. Also, we rejoice in the fact that Matthew 25 verse 40 tells us that when we give to others, the Lord takes it personally. Many will say to, me, say to me at that day, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you in need of clothing or in prison and visit you? And I will say to them, inasmuch as you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me, Jesus says. We rejoice because when you help somebody, when you give to somebody, the Lord takes it personally. He says, you're doing it unto me. Not only that, but we also rejoice because we believe by faith that God will continue to supply every need that we have. When we give graciously, when we give appropriately, God promises that he will supply all of our needs, not maybe all of our wants, all of our needs. Philippians 4 verse 19, a want and a need are not exactly the same thing. But God is gracious, and oftentimes he gives us what we want as well, doesn't he? Think about the gracious provision and rejoice in opportunities to give. It's not, an, you know, oh, I got to give one more time. That's not the attitude. By the way, that's an attitude that will ruin a gift. Well, here you go. One more time, I'm going to give this to you. Nope, the way we give matters, and gracious givers rejoice. Isn't it nice when somebody gives to you and they're not griping and complaining while they do it? Gracious givers rejoice in opportunities to give. And then principle number four about giving graciously. Gracious givers pay attention to needs. They open their eyes and they see. A lot of times people will ask for help, but many, many times they don't. And gracious givers open their eyes and they open their ears and they pay attention and they observe and they see opportunities to help someone else. When we're paying attention, we don't always need to be asked to help. Galatians 6.10, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's find opportunities to give graciously. When you think about Acts chapter 4 and what the church is doing, it was full of people who had the ability to give and in appropriate ways, in amazing ways, because the church was kind of in a crisis in Acts 4. There were a lot of people in Jerusalem that had not planned to stay long term and they had no way to provide for themselves. They had no way, but they needed to stay because they needed to hear from the apostles. They needed to hear this teaching about what it means to be a Christian. And that was one of the reasons why those early Christians were selling their houses. It was a crisis. It was kind of like, a hurricane coming through and nobody having basic resources and necessities and the church said we will give and we will provide for your needs that's what the church does the church is a group of givers gracious givers you've got two hands one of your hands is to be used for giving and giving graciously and giving generously but let's turn this around we also need to be gracious receivers the ability to take, because the sermon is called Give and Take. And I want you to think for just a few moments about what it means to receive graciously. We don't hear lessons about this very frequently, but I want to tell you this is of critical importance to us as Christians. The ability to receive graciously, it's of critical importance for a number of reasons we'll illuminate in just a moment. But if you have trouble accepting help, or, help, or accepting a compliments or accepting encouragement from somebody else, I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. 
If you have trouble accepting other people's help, if you feel like I can make it on my own and I don't need anybody, if that's the way you're thinking, I want you to listen very carefully for the next few minutes because you are by that attitude discouraging Christian unity. By saying, I don't need anybody to help me and I don't need anybody to pray for me and I don't need anybody to encourage me. By having that attitude, you will discourage the church from being everything God intended for it to be. Just imagine, going back to Acts 4, just imagine if some of those Christians had said, you know what, I'm going to make it on my own. Keep your houses, keep your lands. I, I, you know, I'll find a way to scrimp by. There's no opportunity to give anymore. It's a discouragement to Christian unity the ability to receive graciously. In this culture, in this society, and I expect this is most of the way it is in most other cultures as well, but in this one especially, we are conditioned to believe that we are valuable if we're helpful to others. Our value is contingent on being able to bless and help and lift the burdens of other people. But if we are a burden to somebody else, we lack value. We're just not valuable anymore. That is not what the Bible teaches about us as human beings, to say nothing of being Christians. Sometimes all of us, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say, sometimes all of us will have to be a burden to somebody else. That's the way God designed us. And you say, well, I don't want to be, I understand. I understand that you want to give, but you've got two hands. And there are times in all of our lives when we need to graciously take from others because they're willing to provide for the reasons we're going to talk about in just a second. But we learn very early. We learn not to be a burden by becoming self-sufficient and self-reliant. We learn that we shouldn't, you know, ask anybody for anything else. We should just make it on our own and do it on our own and, and, and be independent and all those kinds of things. And those are our values as a country but that's not what you read in the New Testament necessarily. You've got two hands. Acts 4, 34 and 35, there was not a needy person among them. They distributed to each as anyone had need. I wanna tell you something. There were people in the early church that had some great needs and they were such expensive needs that people had to sell their houses in order to meet those needs and they allowed it to happen. Those early Christians allowed that to happen. They graciously received from their brethren. Back in Acts 2 verse 45, exact same language. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Ladies, you'll like this. The first man that was ever made was in need of help from the very beginning. Genesis chapter two, verse 18. As Adam was naming the animals, he became acutely aware that he was alone. And so God made woman. And when God made woman, he said, I am going to make a helper, a help meet, some old translations say, suitable for him, fit for him. You know what that verse means among other things? God made people male and female, that's one. But another thing that means is God created you, he created me to need help from others. He did not create you to be the lone ranger, to stand up by yourself and say, I don't need anybody to do anything for me. You can't do it all and you certainly can't do it all by yourself. Not even Adam, the first man, before there were any cell phones or any other technology, not even Adam could do that. God had to build a helper for him. He built us to be dependent creatures. And we have a hard time because it takes a humble person to admit that that's true. 
takes a humble person to say, I need somebody else's help. It's not shameful. Listen to what I'm saying. It's not shameful to need help from somebody else. This is the way God designed us. It is not an admission of failure. It is the reality of the way God created us. We were built to need help from other people. You got two hands, give with one, but take graciously, receive graciously with the other. Acts 20, 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive, but it is, do not overlook it, a blessing to receive. Where should we put our emphasis? We should put our emphasis on giving, but we should not de-emphasize or somehow malign receiving from others. That is not the Lord's intention in Acts 20, 35 or anywhere else in the Bible to say, well, you really shouldn't. You shouldn't take anything from anybody else and you shouldn't be willing to receive anything. That's not his intention. That's not what the passage says. It's a blessing to receive from others. Philippians 4.15, the apostle writes, and that's, by the way, worthy of your study this week. The last part of Philippians chapter 4, starting with about verse 10, Paul talks about the partnership that he had with the Philippian congregation, and he calls it a partnership of giving and receiving. He had given to them by sharing with them the gospel. He had given to them by imparting spiritual gifts to them, and they had given back to him, and he accepted their help. And he talks about, it's a thank you note, basically, Philippians chapter 4 the last part, he talks about how he is so thankful to have received from them. And he says, but the reason I received this was because I wanted the fruit that abounds to your account. And so it's not even the fact that it met Paul's needs, the fact that they sent him some money and some resources that helped him. He says, I'm thankful that this is a way that you could prove your devotion to Christ and the fruit that you have because you belong to him. That's what I'm thankful for, he says. It's a partnership, a partnership of giving and receiving. That's Christian fellowship. That's what we do in Christian fellowship. When we think about being gracious receivers, takers, we don't like that word takers. It sounds bad. I don't want to be a taker. I want to be a giver. When we think about being a gracious taker though, a gracious receiver, some principles to keep in mind. Number one, gracious receivers provide for others opportunities to serve. When we receive graciously, we provide somebody else an opportunity to serve. I know what many of us think. Well, I don't want to drag anybody else down. I don't want to be a burden to anybody else. It's not fair for me to ask somebody else to carry my weight. We feel guilty for imposing on people's time and their energy and their goodwill. I'll tell you this as a preacher, I struggle with this all the time. I feel like if I take time out of your week, you know, if, 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 uh, if I could give some, some help to some, I feel like if I'm taking time out of your week, I feel like I'm imposing. And I know a lot of you feel the same way. I feel like, you know, I'm a burden and, you know, when's John going to leave and those kinds of things. It's something that all of us struggle with. But think about this. We are providing and receiving graciously an opportunity for somebody else to serve. Sometimes we develop kind of a scarcity mindset. Well, there's only so much time and energy. There's only so much uh, financial resources to go around and I'm not gonna let somebody else help me. Somebody else, uh, you know, somebody else can have this. Others need this more than I do. Galatians 6 verse two, are you familiar with what that passage says? Galatians 6 two says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. How do you bear one another's burdens? Somebody's gotta be a receiver. Somebody's gotta be a taker. Somebody's gotta allow their burden to be carried. 
served with a missionary years ago and he had all kinds of really good quotes and one of his, the ones that I thought was a favorite. He said, never deny another Christian an opportunity to serve. Never deny another Christian an opportunity to serve. Gracious receivers, we provide opportunities to serve when we do that. Secondly, as you think about receiving graciously, we allow the body of Christ to function properly. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 21 through 26, the apostle writes about how the body, the church, is made up of eyes and hands and feet, and not everybody has the same role or the same function or the same abilities or the same gifts. We are diverse and God made us that way. And the eye has some special functions that only the eye can do. And the hand has some special functions that only the hand can do. And when we allow ourselves to receive from others, we allow the built-in diversity of the people of God to kick in and we allow people to be able to serve in ways that honor and glorify God. It's an avenue, being a gracious receiver, it is an avenue to allow the church to glorify God. And if we say, I'll give, but don't help me. If we say that, we are stymieing that process. The church will not be everything God wants it to be. He gives us our Christian family, and the Bible tells us this, to provide essential support in our lives, spiritually, sometimes materially. And so, if that's true, we need to be gracious receivers. We need to let people help us. Number three, gracious receivers. They demonstrate proper humility. Humility, it's a godly virtue. It's a Christ-like virtue to be humble, to not so much think less of ourselves, but to think about ourselves less. That's a great way to describe humility, to esteem others better than ourselves. Philippians chapter two, verses three and four. But think about this. When somebody says, I will not admit my weakness, I will not ask for help. That sounds a lot closer to rebellion than it does to submission, doesn't it? 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, Paul had prayed about his thorn in the flesh. Lord, if you take this thorn away, whatever it was, I could serve you so much better. I could be so much more effective in service to you if you just take this thorn away. And Jesus spoke to Paul and said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And when you read the letters of the apostle Paul, how many times had people who loved the Lord and loved Paul helped him in very practical and real and tangible ways because they love the work he does and because they want to encourage him as their friend and brother, because he humbled himself and said, I can be content with this. God's church and God's people were allowed to thrive and to grow. By the way, you are not self-reliant even if you feel like you are and you're not self-sufficient even if you feel like you are, you're just not. Autonomy is not a human characteristic, we're just not. We are dependent on others, we're dependent most of all on God. Give us this day our daily bread, Jesus taught us to pray, but we need others and gracious receivers demonstrate proper humility. Many of us, as we get older in this world, and I put myself in that category, I know most of y'all don't think I'm old just yet, except for the youth group here. I want you to think about this. As we grow older, 
we're going to need more people to help us. We're going to need more people to, to provide things for us that we maybe used to be able to provide for ourselves and to help us in ways that maybe we're not used to. And I believe one of the most beautiful things that can happen in our lives as we get older is that we have enough humility to be able to humbly and graciously receive help from others. It's difficult. There are a lot of difficult choices that people have to make in their lives, you know. I talk to people about this all the time and it breaks my heart, but you think about this. People that are having to make choices about where their aging parents are gonna live, it is so much more godly as difficult as those choices are, when everybody looks at this and says, I've got two hands, and, and right now I'm gonna have to do a lot more taking than I am giving, because that's where I am in life. We need to have that kind of mentality, all of us. And younger people, think about this, your time is coming. If you stay in this world long enough, your time is coming. When somebody's gonna be saying to you, you know, I think it's time that you're gonna have to lean on some other people more. I think it's time that you're gonna have to wait and, and, and let other people take care of things for you. I know it's not something we enjoy. This is what God's people do. We give graciously, but we receive graciously as well. Make sure as you grow older that you're a gracious receiver. Principles. Gracious receivers build stronger connections with others. We just do. Ephesians 4.16 talks about how the body grows, the body of Christ, and he likens it to a human body. He says, you've got joints and tendons and muscles, and the body grows when every part is supplying something to the body. When every tendon and joint and muscle and bone is doing its work, then the body grows stronger, it grows more. And when we receive graciously, we build stronger connections with others. Think about this. You ask somebody for help and sometimes it can be kind of a flattering thing. Really, you want my advice? You wanna, you wanna know what my opinion is about this? You wanna hear what I have to say and what my counsel would be about this? We can build stronger connections with others by allowing them to help. And I know what some of you are thinking because I do the same thing. Yeah, but if I let this person help me, what kind of solution are they going to come up with? And am I really ready to deal with the consequences of the way they think, right? I understand that we need as Christians still, for the sake of building stronger connections with other people, to let others help us in appropriate ways. And then last, gracious receivers allow for fresh perspective and ideas. You may have been doing something the hard way for decades, and all of a sudden somebody walks into your life and by allowing them to help you, you find out that there was a way to do this and think of how much time and energy and money I might have saved if I hadn't been doing things the hard way all this time. Proverbs 11 verse 14 says, in a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. When we let others help us in appropriate ways, when we are gracious receivers, there's wisdom to be found in that approach to life. Giving is hard, and it's hard to talk to people about giving properly, but I tell you this, when I read Acts 4, I think about the character of those early Christians. Receiving had to have been humbling, had to have been difficult, had to have been a challenge. Why did those first century Christians let other people sell their houses 
so that they could have something to eat? Why did they let them do that? Why did they allow them to make those choices? I'll tell you why, because they understood and knew that this is representative of what Christians do. This is how we act. This is how we care for each other. This is how we love each other. And love cannot be expressed unless there is a hand that is giving and a hand that is receiving. There's no other way for love to be expressed than that. So you, your challenge is to make sure that not only are you being a gracious giver, but that you're also a gracious receiver from others. Thanks for listening this evening. If we can help you to obey the gospel by putting on Christ in baptism tonight, there's no better time than right now to make that decision. If we can help you by praying for you, we would love the opportunity to do that. Won't you make your way down the aisle while together we stand and while we sing.